Hi, and welcome to the very first episode of the It's a Mimic Campaign Builder. I'm Dan. And I'm Adam. Over the course of this series, we're going to be sitting down and creating a session-by-session campaign that you can either follow along with week-by-week or take inspiration from as you see fit. The first four episodes will be on basic campaign development before we launch into our specific campaign. We're going to break down a brand new idea for an original campaign, choose an arch enemy for the party, decide upon local geography, and build a starting guild to get the players up and running. The following episode after that is going to focus on how to build dynamic encounters. From episode 6 and beyond, we'll be going session by session on how to build a full campaign. Throughout the duration of the series, we'll be building off an assumed party of the following five archetypes. Of a warrior, a priest, a mage, a criminal and an outdoorsman. They will be slowly leveling up, and we'll make sure that we're clear about what tier and specific level we're working on. But before that, let's look at our overall campaign setting. Let's get to building. Okay, so today's session, we are talking about setting a campaign. Before we start talking anything specific, we really need to know our direction, our theme, and our tone, and really why those are important. Yeah, we need to be able to have a world built before we can play in it. Right. So that's what we're going to do for the first four episodes here. We're going to kind of build the world in the direction of the campaign. And let's be honest, normally... As a DM, and we've said this before on the on the regular podcast, you should have a session zero where you as the DM show up with three or four different semi-fleshed out ideas. Yeah. So these first four episodes of the Campaign Builder here are, even five episodes of the Campaign Builder, are going to be kind of what you are going to do on your own time before you come in to toss this out as a session zero. Yeah, so um, fortunately, Dan and I have been talking about this repeatedly. We even had a couple of false start recordings on this. So <laughs> that's, um, that's an understatement. <laughs> so uh, if you stay tuned after the credits at the very end, you can hear Dan and I pitching, I don't know, like 20 different ideas back and forth rapid fire to see what kind of stuck out and what we went with. Yeah, um, we, we each shotgunned a Coke and then went for it. Yeah, so, <laughs> um, but, but the big thing is, why is it important to, to go down this road in the first place? And it's because if you don't know where you're going and you don't know where you're starting, you're never going to go anywhere. Yeah. And, and you're not going to be able to present to your players a campaign that will interest them if you just go, I don't know, dragons. Exactly. And leave it at that. Like you need to have a little bit more, um, a, a little bit more of a fleshed out idea going to it, right? Like there needs to be some meat hanging off those bones. Yeah. And as you're going to see throughout this campaign, I will like to drop a little bit of like little nuggets, little plot threads early to, <laughs> to see if it comes, if it comes to fruition. Um, Dan, a lot of the time just goes, Oh, and what about this? And like, and that's perfectly legit too. Because even when he's flying by the seat of his pants, he knows the sandbox he's playing in. Yeah. Right? And someone like Dan with years of experience can do that easily. But for new DMs, people that want to try it out, this series is meant to be able to take you from level 1 to 20. Yeah. It's meant to be able to say, hey, look, here are four different sessions at this level. And we're going to build our own campaign all the way through it. But we're going to explain why we make the choices we make based on the experiences that we've had. Yeah. So... Um, I guess the uh, the big thing is 
make sure you communicate about your overall tone. Everyone should be on the same page about whether or not it's a comedy routine yep. or a serious one. Things like gothic horror versus sci-fi versus adventure pulp. Yep. Right? These are conversations you guys should have ahead of time. Um, and it should directly influence the plot. We have already decided that we wanted to do something that's a little bit more grounded. Um, it's, a little bit more gritty and real. Yeah, it's still going to be high fantasy. Yeah. But it's not going to be comedy. It's going to be more serious. Don't worry. There will be laughs. There will be ridiculous things that happen and things that make us smirk and say, you know what? That's a funny idea. But comedy is always balanced best by, by yeah, a little bit of seriousness. Exactly. Um, and so that's kind of a, that's kind of our tone. The themes that we have, um, are really going to be, I guess, what makes a hero. Yeah. Um, kind of stepping up and, uh, in the sense of working together as a team as well. Yeah. I mean, we've also got the idea of guilds and whatnot in there as, as a general theme as well. And, uh, so there's going to be politics in that theme as well. Right. Um, so a little bit of intrigue. We're going to be doing a lot of investigating, um, a giant mystery as well. That's mm -hmm. at the very central, uh, plot point. But before anything else, before you even think plot, you should know what your tone is, what genre essentially you're playing in. So we've decided to do this gritty one. Yeah, we're, we're doing we're doing gritty high fantasy. Yeah, and so we also want to know our tiers. And so we sat down and we said, look, we're going to go tier one, tier two, tier three, tier four. Each one of these tiers of play, which um, for those of you who are not familiar with the term, tier one is levels one through five, tier two is six through ten, tier three is... 11, 11 through, through 15. 15 so it's on pretty so straightforward. Forward, yeah. yeah, up till 20, right? Yeah. So, um, but what do you do in tier four? How do you build encounters? It's got a lot of people scratching their heads. Yeah. How do you keep tier one and two interesting again after playing through it time and time and time again? Oh, cobalt again? Exactly. So, <laughs> um, so it's good to know your tiers and it's so important to plan ahead so that there's a sense of consistency because as a dungeon master, the last thing that you want, even if it's true, you you never ever want your players to think that you are making this shit up as you go along. Oh yeah, or or that you are specifically out to get them. Right. Like you got to plan ahead for both of these, and if you plan ahead, it'll help mitigate both of those things. So our overall plot, like we say, we're talking about guild warfare. Yep. Right. There'll be different guilds, and there we're going to talk all about guilds in in the fourth episode of this. We're going to choose which guild we want to be a part of, which we haven't decided yet. No. Nope. Right. So um, this is all going to be kind of new as we go. We're on a week by week basis with you guys as well. So this will be ever evolving and and should change shape over time. But our overall plot that rests on top of the our guild will be better than your guild uh, kind of thread, thread that goes yeah. through all of this is the. D&D &D gods, the entire pantheon, all of them, from demon lords all the way up to the very top, including um, like, great old ones. Yeah. Are gone. They've all gone missing. Yeah. And no one knows why. We wake up one morning and they're just gone. And so that was an interesting idea that we wanted to latch on to. As we were pitching it back and forth, we were like, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. What do we have here? Mm -hmm. Right? So... Um, hopefully that's going to entertain you guys as much as it entertains us. But remember, no matter what your plot is, understand that you should have a general basic thread going through, as well as an overall plot mystery driving force, something that changed the status quo from what happened before session one yeah. 
to what's going to happen at, at the end of, of level 20. And you need an inciting event that's going to get that thing going for any party to be involved, right? Um, and try, if you're a new DM, try to keep that down to a sentence or two. Exactly. Right? That's- and just so you could re- go back to it over and over again and see if what you're building any given week fits that central theme. Now, you could be way off of that central theme as a distraction for a session or two, that's not a huge problem as long as you work yourself back there so that all of that made sense for your story. Absolutely. If you want to go off to the romance festival in the big city for a session and a half, go do that. It doesn't have to be involved in your political intrigue. Yeah. However, these players should know essentially what they're showing up for each week. You pick up Curse of Strahd because you want to do vampires. You pick up Out of the Abyss because you want to do Underdark. You know that going in. Yeah. Right, Storm King Thunder is giants. Everybody should be able to say, "Hey, this campaign that we're doing is," and sum it up in probably eight words or less. Yeah, um, and then having a through thread as well. So, like Avernus is cool. It also has infernal machines. Mm-hmm. Right, we've got uh, Eberron is amazing. It also has dragon marks and warforged. Right, like there's a lot of campaign settings out there. Uh, Taldore is is a it, it's traditional high fantasy. It's traditional high fantasy, but, but with. But, uh, everything's a little bit more geopolitical, right? Like everything's a little bit more uh, city-state rather than large governmental bodies. Yeah, exactly, right? So you, you kind of know what the difference is from, from place to place. What's your overall mission statement when, when you are pitching this to your party in session zero? You say, okay, I've got three things lined up. I've got living versus dead, order versus chaos, and the gods have gone missing. Which one do you want to play? Now, because we don't have real players for this, Dan and I just chose what we thought would be the most interesting based <laughs> on the people that we've played with in the past, where the gods have gone missing. Um, also, this really caters to all of the five different archetypes as well yep. that we'll be building for. There'll be something for everyone to do in this campaign, uh, and it doesn't necessarily hold anybody back. No. Um, and uh, if there are any DMs out there going, well, if I need to have this central mission statement, everything has to impact the central mission statement. Isn't that a little uh, confining? Um, I would encourage you to think about it in a slightly different way where it's just going to be a arrow for you to po- be pointed towards and will actually open you up for your freedom. So you're not going to be we're, we're trying to avoid railroading your players and, and you being so closely uh grasping to your your story we're yeah. trying to avoid the dms with their story that they have to tell nobody can see the air quotes you're given to yeah them. well there's air quotes heavy air quotes here i hope you could hear it implied in my voice <laughs> um we want uh the dm and the players to work together to formulate a story and the central line of that mission statement of that story uh should be that when you come up with session one but keep in mind that could change Oh, and it absolutely will change as you go. Yeah. So even though the gods have gone missing in our story, we don't even know who the characters are, let alone how their backstories are going to affect this. Exactly. We don't know what the setting looks like. It. We don't know. Uh, shit, we could be on the moon, right? <laughs> like, we don't know what plane of existence we're in yet. On one of the moons. Yeah. Are right. there multiple moons? We don't know. <laughs> so so we have kind of a general idea of... Of the direction we want to go for each of our four tiers based on the tier itself. Yeah. How difficult and intensive it is. Um, and in the background, like I say, we're pushing forward with guild warfare. Mm-hmm. The other big thing, and I'm going to be totally upfront and clear about this. We chose guilds 
to go this direction so that the party was pre-established. Yes. Because we cannot sit here and coach you guys on everything that's going to happen in a session one as they're meeting each other for the first time. Mm-hmm. There will be the edgelord. There will be the over-excited, chipper, happy person that goes to hit on the bartender. And there will be a fist fight or at least narrowing eyes. Yeah. Other than that, we can't tell you what's going to happen. Those are pretty much the, the guarantee. You're you're like eighty percent guaranteed to have someone hit by a bar stool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, so no matter how your group comes together, as we're planning this, our group is already established. Yeah. Um, as members of this guild, as members of this, guild. we haven't decided what guild it is yet. No. So, um, anyway, let's get on to what our overall plot is going to be and why we chose it. What do you think, Dan? Uh, sounds like a plan. Yeah. All right. Now let's roll to see who gets to reveal what. Sure. I got a 14. I got a 6. So for Tier 1, uh, one of the major uh, plot points we have going on is a massive sinkhole has appeared um, and has swallowed a city. Yeah. Uh, so I think it was, uh, it, this is your original idea, yeah. Dan. With, and I had no idea what that even means. A, a massive sinkhole opens up and swallows a city. And that's so like environmental it's such a world problem yeah that cities can just be gone in a heartbeat um and the sinkhole is still open and needs to be explored that's another thing that we've kind of decided on as well yeah we really wanted to dig into the exploration side of of this sinkhole um and we wanted to keep it as open as possible so that we can we can explore the different aspects of what should be a familiar land but no longer is. Yeah. This is going to create great turmoil, which is fantastic. Here's your inciting event right yep. off the bat, because you're going to have refugees. Animals will be fleeing from this. What monstrosities and beasts will be suddenly displaced? Oh, 100%. And I mean, if you consider, if that sinkhole is big enough, which we did consider, and, and we have said that sinkhole is plenty big enough to reach to the Underdark, that now that city has fallen into the Underdark, revealing another city underneath it that is an ancient and uh, forgotten city that also needs to be explored as well. Yes. And um, so while there are, well, there's the surface pandemonium that's going on in Tier 1, um, and there's opportunistic power grabs from some of the other guilds. Oh, yes. Right. At the same day that this sinkhole appeared, the gods went missing. Are these two things linked? And this is our inciting event right from session one to get everybody on the same page of, um, oh, shit, it's all going down right yeah. now. And and it's going to sp- spurn the action forward, I guess. Right? Yeah. So, um, so there's this ancient city in the Underdark, but it's actually inhabited as well. So how happy are they? That a city fell on them. Yeah, and who do they blame? And who do we blame? And we immediately now have a conflict that can be explored. Yeah, especially when you're bringing in the fact that the guilds are also vying for information, power, resources from this uh, event. And several other organizations are also trying to connect this to the gods going missing. Yeah, so like what are the what are the religions saying and yeah. whatnot as well. And so there's a lot of promise here. And this is the thing that I want to really stress for tier one is... You should be, don't, we don't have answers. You don't need them either. You need to have questions. You may have an idea of what that answer might be, but you don't need to have it all laid out ahead of time because your players will fuck up your plan. So, 100%. So just know kind of the, the, your starting point, the direction you're going, an inciting event that seems interesting to you. And I don't know about you, Dan, I have never actually played in the Underdark. Oh, really? Yeah. I've, I've, I've done a, my, my fair share. 
So I don't know what I'm in for, and this is why this intrigues me so much, because it's going to be brand new for me. I've read a lot about it. Yeah. I've seen some actual plays about it, but I've never experienced it myself. Yeah. So, so this will be our plot for our uh, Tier 1 campaign um, in total. So we're notice we're not breaking down the minutia. We're still kind of dropping blanket statements here. Yes, and that's how we're going to kind of handle everything for the first few episodes yeah, for sure. here. So as we are building this campaign from the ground up. Um, so that's that's kind of tier one, exploring what's going on on the surface w- when this massive sinkhole appears and the gods have gone missing at the same time. Yeah. For tier two, shit's gotten real now and the Underdark is invading. And because your town, your hometown, whatever that is, your little watering hole that your friends and family live in. Which isn't the city that sank. No. Um, you are the nearest civilization to this. And you are the first and last line of defense. You've spent the first five tiers figuring out why the city, or not five tiers, five levels, uh, figuring out why the city has sunk. Figuring out that the gods truly are missing. And spoiler alert, not just these gods, the Underdark gods have gone missing as well. Um, and so um, you are seeing this uprising coming out of the ground. Um, and this is directly, this is in fact directly related to the gods going missing. But it's correlation, it might not be causation. Yeah. Because the Drow and the Duragar and the Neblin and everybody down there, all the aberrations... They're coming up and saying, what did you guys do up here? And we're going down there saying the same thing. There's a lot of blame being thrown around, not a lot of clarity as to who or what caused this. Yes. Um, and so your tier two is going to be investigating that while also, you know, dealing with the fact that the Undark is flooding into the realm. Yeah, the the Underdark is, is coming out in hordes. And you guys have to be on the defensive. And I'm not sure you win tier two. I'm not entirely sure. I don't think you necessarily lose it, but there's no decisive victory. The Underdark has been pushed back. The world has now changed. Yes. Um, like we said earlier with a comedy thing where comedy needs, you know, the, the seriousness to kind of balance it out. Uh, victory needs tragedy to yes. balance it out. So. This needs to be your Empire moment, where like Empire Strikes Back moment, where it ends kind of on a bit of a downer note, so that your as you're continuing forth into Tier 3, Tier 4, your victory is just that much better. And let me be clear as well. We are not setting up the party for failure here. No. We are stacking the cards against them. The whole deck has been stacked against them. But if the dice roll in their favor, if they are particularly inspired, if they have been building an army of NPCs since level two, they may pull this off mm-hmm. and push everyone back into the Underdark. There may be a way for your players to win. Always, always, always give multiple options for success or failure. Yes. But while we leave it pretty open-ended most of the time, the end of tier two should be a downer note. The the problem, the conflict, the strife is massive yeah. right now. It's in your face. And your job as a DM is to uh, not make it so uh, depressive that it, it, it weighs your party down, but they need to feel it. And that level is going to change depending on how successful they are during the incursions of the Underdark forces. Yes. So the... So the Tier 1 is this massive sinkhole. And tier 2 is the Underdark pouring forward, right? Yeah. And we're still looking for answers. Where are the gods? 
We have an idea about what's caused the sinkhole by this point because something will have had to have come up. We need to resolve tier one. Yeah. And the appearance of the sinkhole needs to be resolved. And now we're, we're now dealing with the, uh, the outcome, the fallout, the consequence of it being there. Yeah. And we will resolve this one way or the other by the end of tier two. In tier three, we start to push back against the Underdark and their invading forces. We see that, um, you know, people have gone missing throughout the realm and we figure that the Underdark, which we've covered in the main podcast, slavery is kind of a thing. Oh, so, it's, it's a big thing. Right? So, so the Underdark took them. And, and, so, and we haven't discussed this, but I think that maybe the big loss might be that we lose all of our friendly NPCs. Or to a slavery. sizable chunk of them. And so it's time to go rescue them, whatever yeah. it is. So, uh, tier three is mainly going to be, uh, invading the, um, invading the Underdark. This is when your party starts to get more aggressive. Now, keep in mind, at this point, you're level 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. So you are going to be, uh, fairly powerful in terms of characters at this point. So your, as a DM, your encounters and, and your story that you're trying to tell is your party finally starting to flex those muscles that they've been working on for the previous two tiers. Yep, and you're able to give them bigger, badder, nastier things, and they should have learned how to strategize by now. So you could start going into things like guerrilla warfare in the Underdark. You could start going into more tactical uh, armies. Maybe these guilds, um, maybe they've done something with the guilds to have a bit more of a force behind them in or, numbers. Or they've banded together, or whatever it is. Yeah. You guys, the, the party could be generals of their own army at this point, but the, the point is that we've gone from a loss to a rebolstering yep. of faith and hope and an anger and a drive and a determination moving forward to accomplish. Here is now our, it should be clear, here is the mission statement. We're going to get our friends back, and that includes getting the gods back too. Yeah. At this point, you should have a fairly clear idea of what happened with the gods. Um, it, I mean, it's still not going to be a complete picture. That's not yet. But it'll be a... Uh, You'll have enough clues where you could start working on some of these leads. Right. So where we've introduced the idea of the status quo changing and the setting being established and, and the setting has, it's going through this big upheaval in tier one and tier two is everything's dark. Like we, we, we did everything we could, but we couldn't win. Mm -hmm. Tier three is this call now to action of here we come. This is it. We are the good guys. We have enough information. We've gotten the right weapons and the right spells. And we have our, our bags of holding are full. Here we come. We are the big damn heroes. Exactly. And, and at the end of tier three, you are, you are able to strut around as a party. Your party is able to strut around as the heroes. They have won whatever their uh, goal is for this tier three level. Right. And so what they're getting at this point is reward and accolades. And they are getting, they're flying their banners high. And this is, this is the point where they stop being folk heroes and become local legends. Mm -hmm. And so they're going to step up and be the heroes that they wanted to be since tier one. They all have their, their shiny mounts, they all have their shiny armor. Yeah. They're all casting their shiny spells. Everything's shiny. We're all shiny. Everything's yeah. shiny. Yeah. So, um, so at the end of tier three, you are the underdark problem will have been solved now you're chasing the gods problem right and so what we've decided to do at the end of tier three at the very end is open up a portal to the 
outer planes where you are now able to walk around there and you get to do the planar travel that you want and you will be given i don't know a map a riddle a puzzle something and now you have to go there and that is how we end tier three you are now solving the issue moving forward you have all of the agency and you as the dm are just unveiling the issues for tier four yeah at this point um, you'll find as the pieces have started to fall in line for you as a DM, your work actually gets a little bit easier on you because your party is going to be taking a lot of the weight of the storytelling off of you because they'll have their characters, they'll have their relationships, they'll, and have, they'll the have their confidence. And they'll have confidence. It's exactly. in this world because not only do they know the world, but they've won, right? And so this is not a sequel. This is the end of the mystery. And the only thing left to do is... Give them the final pieces that they're looking for as they hunt them down and resolve the issue that we revealed in session one, which in this case is the gods have gone missing. So you start your first session at level 16. We've decided you're starting in the abyss. Now we've decided to go planar travel and hopping from plane to plane because that is the really big, epic level, fun, cool stuff that really only D&D has to offer. This, this yep. jumping around, getting all the flavor of the, the plane of fire or going to pandemonium or limbo. But the idea that we thought would be really good is going on kind of a tour of the area of, of the planes. And so you start in the abyss and you have to get to Mount Celestia. You find out that the gods are being held on Mount Celestia and, and you need to go rescue them. And you can either go the lower plane across all of the evils in the river Styx and up Law, or you can go up Chaos through Limbo and across Pandemonium and yeah, and across Good. And your players are going to sit there and say, "Hey, we know what we're going to be doing for the next, I don't know, 15, 20 sessions. Do we want to make it really hard on ourselves with evil first, and then deal with whatever laws exist in these lawful, these strictly lawful?" Uh, areas or do we want to make our jobs really hard with chaos and then see what the morality of good looks like Mm -hmm. so they've got a choice a fork a path and you as a dm don't know what it is i think this is really key for tier four play just start that right off and say hey guys this is on you you run your campaign now i the dm react yeah, you're you're switching more to a reactive thing. I mean, up until the point where they tell you where which way they're going, then you could kind of start to plan a little bit ahead. But yeah, you still know the villains in play. You still know the villains in play. You still know, but you've laid most of the groundwork for plot at this point. Yes, at this point, that's what I'm saying. You're not creating plot. You're revealing the plot that exactly. has been created. Yeah. So your your party, depending on what they choose, are going to make their way out following this map through the plains, depending on which way they go. They're eventually going to get to Mount Celestia, where, you know, your big bad evil guy will be there. How do you unlock gods from a prison that gods themselves cannot unlock themselves from? Yeah, and so we've got these, these big level 20 ideas yeah. in there. And so I expect that we're going to see CR 22 devils and, and, and the Kraken will show up and like, we're just dealing with big ass, bad, nasty stuff running around. You and I have talked before. Um, one of the things we don't like about D and D is the fact that you get to level 20 and you stop. Yeah. In my opinion, when your players enter Mount Celestia for the first time is when they hit level 20. 
and then their entire travels within Mount Celestia, they are level 20. I think so, yeah. I absolutely think so. And that way, when they're able to di- just dimension door, and they plane shift themselves back to the Prime Material Plane to go pick up more healing potions, just freaking let them. Yeah. Like, they've earned it. They've gotten this far. And this is what I mean about you being reactionary, where you can drop all of your battle maps ahead of time, but you're still sitting there spending 25% of your session listening and 50% of your session doing theater of the mind because you didn't know that they wanted to do this callback to some NPC that one of them wrote down their last name. Like, <laughs> it's buried in the notes. Hey, guys, who was, uh, who was Jervis? And everyone's like, uh... And if someone remembers, they go, oh, Jervis, we need to go back and talk to Jervis. You were, and you're just like... I don't even remember who that is anymore. But uh, but I've listened now to them talk for 10 minutes about Jervis it. Jervis was four binders ago, guys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you're very reactionary. And as we go through tier four on this, on this show, we're going to show you how to be reactionary as well while still planning encounters and doing your weekly prep. Yeah. Um, that pretty much wraps us up on our base mission statement. I hope that you guys understand... Why it's so important to know where you're going. Now, Dan and I did sit down ahead of time and look at the plot points we wanted to hit. And the plot points we wanted to hit are based on the idea of and the introduction of the status quo going wrong. Mm-hmm. The idea that uh, your home or something needs to be defended. There's uh, The opposite of that is you getting to go on the offense. We explore loss and winning. And we also explore what it's like to be a hero. Honestly, the game does not turn you into a hero when you hit level 20. You are a hero at level 1. You just haven't proven it yet. Exactly. And you should have it proven, and you should reap the rewards, and you should feel pretty damn good about yourself by the end of Tier 3. And so that's where we're aiming. And after that... You get to play as your epic hero. Everyone says, I want to play Batman. I want to play Optimus Prime. I want to play um, like whoever it is, whatever your big, um, I want to be Jon Snow. Like whatever hero it is that you yeah. want to be. I mean, don't be Jon Snow. But what, whatever it is that you want to be, you, you are excited about it because they're an epic level, amazing. Just they're able to backflip their legless sliding down yeah. elephant trunks and shit. And so like you get to do that. By level 15, 16, that's where you're doing this stuff. Oh, yeah. And and I also want to impress the um, very clear and important point that just because you're heroes and you're at level 16, life's not easy for you. You are coming up against level 16, level 17, level 18 challenges as well, right? Like, this isn't just going to be a walk in the park for you. It is, it's going to be hard, but at least you know deep in your heart you are the hero and you're doing the right thing. Yep, and you're going to... To succeed and win. And that's the thing about this. We said we're going to do like a gritty high fantasy. That means we're going to have a lot of magic. There's going to be wizards and goblins and stuff. The whole D&D smorgasbord of nonsense that we're used to is all going to be at least available if we don't explore all of it. Right? Because it's just way too much for a single campaign. Mm -hmm. But it'll be available. It'll also be rooted in real emotion, real ideas and tactics, and, and real consequence. So oh, 100%. Yeah. So when people when people die, then you need to either resurrect them or feel the loss, right? And so we wanted it to be serious. We wanted it so it has intrigue and it brings people back later. And that way when you win, there's a concept of success and payoff. Yeah. This is really how you should be preparing your campaigns. When you sit down, we don't know who the bad guy is yet. 
We're gonna we're gonna figure that out next episode. Yeah. We don't know who the heroes are. We won't know that until someone decides to pick up this campaign that we're building and play through it. Yeah. We don't know all of the little details, and we never will. But what we can do is say, what are the broad strokes? How can we get there? And why is it important to do it in this way? Keeping in mind, if you wanted to do a comedy campaign, you still need conflict. Yep. You still need loss and and success. Yep. There still needs to be challenge and 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 uh, drama, even to a comedy campaign. Yep. And a lot of the time, the, the DM is the straight man, is the victim of the comedy a yep. lot of the time. And the other guys get to be crazy-ass murder hobos. The, here's, this, here's the thing. The DM, your job is to play referee. That's what everyone says. But actually, your job is to lose every encounter yep. and have every puzzle you, you create solved and to, to make everyone else around the table feel heroic and be the protagonists and yep. the good guys. And your job is to be the antagonist and the bad guy and to lose. Yep. So if you were a DM on a power trip, I don't know why. <laughs> because you, you're, set, you're set up. You took the job to lose. Yeah. You're setting yourself up for failure. <laughs> so have fun when you do it and make sure everyone around you is having fun as well. Yeah. And that's what we are going to be aiming for on this through the use of dynamic encounters as we build sessions. And we're going to give you an idea on basic ideas and themes and tones moving forward. Exactly. So now that we have a good grasp on what direction we're going to take our players in, let's take a week and allow this foundation to settle a little. Hopefully this is going to give us some opportunities to come up with some major conflicts and the villains who might oppose our heroes. Tune in next week when we discuss big bad evil guys that will make the campaign on the missing gods as memorable as possible. Thanks for listening to the first episode of the new It's a Mimic Campaign Builder series. You can find us at www.itsamimic.com and on iTunes, Spotify, and most podcast catchers. We're also available on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and more social media sites. And we'd love to hear your thoughts on how you would use this episode specifically in your own homebrew campaign preparations. I'm Adam. And I'm Dan. And we'll be back with more prep work and more tips next week. I brought 20 ideas. Uh, you just gave me a 21st. Oh, oh <laughs> okay. So <laughs> let's uh, let's roll initiative, see who goes first, and we'll go back. I, I'm only going to have about two two sentences for each one of these oh, ideas. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it, it'll be rapid fire here. Okay, cool. let's do it. Got a five. I got an eight, so I guess I'm going first. Yep. My, my first idea is I love undead, and I never get to play with giants outside of Storm King's Thunder. So undead giants. There's a necromancer or something. I haven't gotten this far yet. Giants are undead and they're walking the earth and they're the different giants all have different zombie stats. Yep. The same way that you would use it out of the zombie stats uh, from the DMG. And so they're still pretty badass and terrifying. And some of them are still going to have their magic powers and stuff. Yeah. Which is going to be rad. Anyway, that's my idea. Undead cool. giants. Um, my idea was um, all of the halflings are missing. Okay. And the party has to figure it out. So I went big and you went little. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. Oh, okay, so my next one is the Far Realms 
are suddenly opening up portals into the prime material plane and the aberrations, everything from beholders to mind flayers, they are flooding in and nobody knows why. We have essentially an alien invasion. Okay. The aliens are coming in. I have one where you are the aliens going out. I want to have a spaghetti western, but in the Feywild. Good lord. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, I, all right. My, my next one. Try this out, okay? You wake up one day. All the clerics are pissed off because every god is missing. Oh, jeez. That's it. That's all I got so far. I don't have an answer to where they went. Just every god is missing. What do you do? I love it. I've got one where some guy or some other means comes back and gives you undeniable, irrefutable uh, proof of when and what time the doomsday is. And it's a month away and your party has to stop it. Ooh, ooh, ticking clock. I like it. All right, hold on. Instead of ticking clock that's coming on the horizon, literally on the horizon is the entire country's under siege by orcs or goblinoids or gnolls. And so you have, because there are so many different kinds of each of those, you have a real solid campaign through these mobs and these armies. Oh, I love it. Um, you mentioned earlier how the one pantheon is just gone. Well, how about this? The one pantheon has gone because an invading pantheon has come in and now there is a war of pantheons and your party is stuck in the middle. Oh, good Lord. That is too many gods for me to take, to, to understand. Um, Okay, I'm going to go, instead of looking up, I'm going to look down. The whole thing is about freeing the Underdark slaves. You go into the all Underdark. Of all of them. You abolish slavery in the Underdark and set yourselves up by level 20 as the new masters of the Underground. So it's an above-ground railroad this time. No, 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 no. You are, okay, whoa. <laughs> Not okay. Okay, sorry. <laughs> what, what you're doing is you're going to dethrone the Mind Flayers. As the kings of the Underdark. Oh, I love it. That's a great one. Um, I have one here. Uh, we're on the Underdark page. Let's do the Underdark page. Uh, a massive sinkhole is opened over a massive Underdark metropolis, exposing it to the sun for the first time. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Um, let's. Uh, I had another Underdark thing here, if I can find it in my list. Um, oh, no, wait. I deleted it because it was garbage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so planar travel. But planar travel, you remember the show Sliders? Yeah. Where they were just moving from one reality to another? You do not know how long before the next portal opens up and sucks you into a different plane. And so every level that you play at is on a different plane of existence. Oh, I love it. Um, I have one where um, a renowned archmage hero of some sort, some level north of 20 hero suddenly snaps one day and starts collecting the entire country's children no one knows where he's taking them where they're going or anything else like that but the children are all going missing okay all right so there are uh 10 different kinds of dragons in standard lore yeah not including draculiches or shadow dragons there's 10 different kinds of dragons there are four levels each there's 40 dragons there are 40 different kinds of dragons every two dragons you get to level kill one of every kind of dragon. You are dragon hunters and you have to kill 40 different dragons. Oh, I freaking love that. Terry, um, Terry would love that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I have one where your party stumbles upon inside the jungle a uh, ancient ruins of some underground old god worshippers. And as you uh, walk in, you activate the runes, being the first people here since this uh, civilization died. And they start to rise again, including their gods. 
Okay. Uh, all right. Speaking of things that have gone extinct and are coming back, magic is gone. It's just gone one day. Just completely everybody wakes up. No one can cast spells. Your party has to unlock magic level by level. So as you go, when you hit level like 16, you unlock level 9 spells and therefore you get access to them at level 17. So you are always the most powerful casters in the realm, except for one other person. And that's your big bad evil guy. Potentially. I don't oh, know. Okay. I haven't gone that far. Cool. Um, I, I, I really liked the idea of old civilizations coming back and there was the old worshippers of the old god, kind of gross, grimy cultists. Let's go the other side and say an incredibly technologically advanced and Atlantis-level uh, society is brought back and is suddenly thrust into the world for the first time. And its uh, technology and influence is slowly spreading. And your party's there to figure out why. Okay. I like it. Oh, you'd have a lot of like weird nth metal kind of stuff to do. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Cool. I'm into it. Um, what about just simply a world tour of all of the playable races? No matter what your overarching theme is, you know that every playable race in any one of the books will be met in their own civilization on their own home turf at some point during your 20-level campaign. So you get to go to the Tabaxi village and the lizard folk encampments and, you, and the Bullywugs and any sort of... Uh, I don't think you can play Bullywugs, but any sort of intelligent race or playable race. You play race. Grung. You play Grung. Yeah, there you go. So you can go around and you can actually go from, from race to race. I think this would be really good for new players to kind of yep. get a feeling of everything so cool um i got i got one here that i i, I kind of laughed and chuckled at it's going to be an evil campaign um but it's a redemptive evil campaign where your your goal is the party eventually becomes good um but all of the undead start regaining their memories and start being able to feel and express pain oh that's horrifying but not as horrifying as the blood war coming to the prime material plane Wow, yeah, no, you're right. Not as horrifying as that. Um, I I don't know what this means. I just kind of wrote it down. I'll let everybody else figure it out. But 10 things I hate about Cthulhu. 10 things I hate about Cthulhu. Uh, one for each tentacle, I'm assuming. <laughs> All right, what about just simply a desert-based western and you just have to protect the town? And it's just that simple. You guys are the protectors of, of a town and you got to worry about trade routes coming through and, and you're essentially hired on as there's as the sheriff and the deputies. Okay. Uh, traditional high fantasy campaign. Everything is uh, straight out of the book, Dungeons and Dragons, except your party are chasing that uh, group of heroes and cleaning up after them as they go. Cleaning up of all of the uh, refuse and... Uh, like the the destruction that they've left behind. Yeah, and yeah, whatnot. yeah. You're, you're cleaning up and you're tying up the loose ends that this band of, you know, plucky ignorant heroes ahead of you is leaving behind them okay speaking of high fantasy high fantasy super urban think high fantasy in new york film noir i like it i like it um how about a steampunk jungle crawl with like trains and whatnot going through the jungle old track lines that you have to do uh, and build uh, old technologies that you are trying to... Uh, it's very tinker-heavy uh, kind of campaign. Everyone be rock knows. <laughs> yeah, of course you would say that. Uh, that one's for Terry. <laughs> underwater artifacts. The entire thing is an underwater campaign, and you have got to go get the artifacts that have been lost from ancient civilizations, and they're all underwater. And 
and you get to truly experience like underground caverns and caves, but also the underwater aspect of D&D. I would pull heavily out of Ghost of Saltmarsh for this one. Cool, cool, cool. Um, I I recently watched the Fury Road for the, I don't know, 13th time. And um, I just con- I was considering, what if it was Rohan from Lord of the Rings meets Mad Max? I don't even know what to make of that. You have a uh, race... Uh, like a racing type campaign where you are breeding horses and, and, and raising horses with carriages and you are equipping these carriages with the wildest nonsense you could ever imagine and having these massive races and this is your campaign. And the bad guys show up with the infernal vehicles from Descent into Avernus. Exactly. Okay. Really simple. Really simple. You are heroes in a guild and you are just trying to spread the word of your guild. You were just supposed to be, the whole campaign is just build reputation and renown. And there's like several other guilds that are competing against exactly. you. Exactly. Yeah. I love this. I love this idea. Um, I got another one here. Uh, it's more of an urban campaign, but one where there is a secret society that's specifically out for your party and you have to uncover uh, them slowly, uh, piece by piece. This is the Illuminati Dungeons and Dragons edition. All right, hold on. A god has died. And the five members of your party are the five chosen candidates to replace the god at level 20. But they have to work together or they'll never get there because the other gods are hunting them. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, neat, oh, hey? there's, there's so much I could do with that one. Um, I would like a Mind Flayer Plague that slowly uh, streaks out among the surface level races. But this isn't the kind that changes people into Mind Flayers. This is a uh, plague that started with Mind Flayers and just causes psychic um, psychic cacophonies that rate, uh, rage throughout the entire area. And people are slowly dying by their heads exploding with this psychic attack. This is a very psionic heavy campaign. Okay, alright. What about Invasion of the Body Snatchers? I don't know if I'm talking in intellect devourers. I don't know if I'm talking the slod. I don't know if I'm talking rakshasas that are invading and replacing people. Or doppelgangers have teamed up with semi-intelligent mimics to replace entire civilizations. I'm not sure where I'm going with this one. But Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And you you don't unveil this until halfway through Tier 2. And now who do you trust? And if you're really gutsy... One of the players gets replaced, and the player knows it. Ooh, I like it. And then, um, and then, <coughs> and then, they wait for the opportunity to replace someone else, and now two of them, and then three of them. And your last session is that one level twenty wizard or whatever that turns around, and the other four party members are doppelgangers or rakshasas or whatever it is that, and then all the friends are dead, and these guys are like, "Hey, you know what? You are the last." mortal alive on this plane wolf what do you do what do you do <laughs> drop a fireball down at your feet um <laughs> i was thinking a political intrigue level campaign but dwarf clans a massive dwarf stronghold underneath a huge mountain you are playing political intrigue amongst all the dwarves and you have to go down the dwarves got too greedy and delved too deep and have uncovered evils that have been hidden for millennia underground and all of this is uh feeding 
a political war in the actual dwarven uh, city itself. Okay. I like that. What about, I'm going to totally change gears on you for a second here. You have the holiest artifact from Mistra, the original goddess of magic. You have the artifact that can bring her back to life, and you need to get it to the other side of the continent. And everybody knows you have it. Sorry, the lore nerd in me just went, tweak. Uh, I, 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 I truly love it. Okay, uh, more political intrigue almost. You have ten towns surrounding a massive lake. This is a pirate-themed campaign, but in the center of this lake, there is an island that no one has access to. They're just constantly repelled. I don't, I don't know why, but no one has access to it. And it is said that the owner of the area is the one who could retrieve the item from the island in the middle. Okay. So it's it's uh, massively like bigger than Lake Superior kind of deal. Um, there is a uh, there's the party of of adventurers. Your five people, the five that you have. Um, there are counterparts to them that are all three levels higher than they are, and they are ushering in the end of the world. Oh, and you got to chase them down, but they. But they are significantly more powerful than you. Okay. I've got one. The um, first elves, the first group of elves created by Corallon Loretheon way back in the day, um, who all went to their, you know, the Grey Wilds or whatever they're called um, after the fact, have come back from the Grey Wild. The Grey Haven? Oh, uh, the Grey Havens. And are uh, trying to reform the world the way it was millennia ago. Okay. Hunt down and destroy the Titans. I like it. From Krakens to... I mean, I would even include... Kraken, Leviathan. Yeah, well, I would include the big elementals and the dragons as a... Well, the ancient dragons as a part of this. But you've got your Empyrean, right? And and your Kraken, the Tarrasque, right? Like, this is this is Godzilla. This this is this is Godzilla meets, like, uh, Colossus. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I love it. So we mentioned mobs. We've mentioned all these other things. Your party has befriended a tribe of goblins who want to be, uh, who want to be included in modern society, and you are their, um, you are their spokespeople, and you are trying to get the t uh, townsfolk to agree to get them in. And this entire thing is building up this goblin tribe to be good, and of course, the surrounding goblin tribes aren't a big fan of this and are coming in. And we're talking hobgoblins, we're talking bugbears, we're talking. The furthest reaches of uh, goblins and you bring in trolls and through that you could even bring in some, you know, over-meddling giants to come into this as well. I like it. Your party is a goblin, a kobold, an orc, a lizard folk, and a minotaur. And they are the five horsemen of the apocalypse. And it's an evil campaign. That's my, that's my last pitch. That's your last pitch? Yeah, you should have one more. Alright, my final one is... Out of the Abyss isn't really all that much about the Abyss. Let's do one about the Abyss. You got Orcus, you got Demon Princes, you got... Um, Ianagu! You got Ianagu, and you are actively fighting against them, preventing them from coming into this realm from the Abyss. You are on the Abyss side, surviving, trying to close down their gates from the Abyss side. Oh, that's so deadly. I like it. Yeah. So that was a few options, eh? 